take equal parts tokusatsu television, Japanese mythology, and Team Godzilla kaiju creations, and you have a recipe that you think would deliver box office buckets to Toho. But will it make the grade or be lost amongst a sea of more spectacular films? Find out as we take a deep dive into the little talked about classic this week. This is Kaiju vs. History, Orochi the Eight-Headed Dragon. Welcome back to Kaiju versus History. This is your evil scheming wizard advisor, Patrick. And joining me is a secret second son saved from a slaughtering sorcerer, aka Miles. How are you, Miles? Uh, Doing pretty good. Um, yeah. This is an interesting one this week. This, uh, this one I had is... never heard of. I don't think. No, uh, and this before a few this, years ago. This and in any time you look it up, almost any. Whether it's Wikizilla or Wikipedia or any article about this movie always refers to this as a kaiju deep cut and one that mm-hmm. most people haven't seen or don't know about. And certainly one of the reasons why Patrick and I wanted to do this podcast for selfish reasons is so that we could like force ourselves to watch some of these uh, uncut gems, if you will. Well, I, I have seen Toho deep cuts. I mean, I, I've watched Gunhead. I watched Gunhead, you know, 20 oh, something years Gunhead. ago. Yeah. The fact that this movie came out in between versus Mechagodzilla and, you know, like four months before versus Space Godzilla. And I just never heard of it. You know, despite it, it did get a, a U.S. release. Got a U.S. Uh, home release twice, US I think. Release. It just seems like something that would be right up my alley, which is giant Japanese monsters. You got the fantasy element of it. It really does feel like a kind of classic 1980s fantasy movie as well, which I loved like, you know, obviously you're, you're Conan the barbarians, but also this movie reminds me a lot of Cole, which I love. Cole the Conqueror was so good. Oh, no, and not what not, 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 not Cole. What am I thinking of? I mean, Cole's fun. You're uh, thinking of Kroll. Kroll, yes. Kroll with the the the, the sci-fi the glaive. Kind of element. Yeah. Yeah. Not uh, so, so what's interesting. Just, just Kroll? Yeah, just Kroll. That's yeah, a yeah, 1983 just, movie, which is Kroll like a full and then decade. It's called this. The Conqueror Kevin Sorbo. Yes. I don't really yeah. remember that one very well, but Most Kroll, people don't. Kroll was what I was thinking about because also the, the princess in this movie has like a a crow like blade that she only uses like the one time, but she uses it twice. She uses it once against our, our homeboy. And then she throws it once against not Sephiroth, <laughs> not Sephiroth. I, I could not think of anything but Sephiroth in his scene because the music also changes to turn into like a Sephiroth. Like, well, so here, here, and this one might get people interested in this movie. This movie feels like an adaptation of a JRPG game from the time period. Like if they were going to do a mm. Dragon Warrior 2 adaptation oh, yeah. or, or, or or like Final Fantasy 1. In fact, they even call him the Warrior of Light. Like, yeah, he's got the three lights, the magical lights, and he uses them to <laughs> but, but summon the, great power at the end. The, the story structure, I mean, much like any hero's journey or kind of f- fantasy epic from older faiths, it does have that like, okay, you go, you go to this 
fight this guy and fight this mm-hmm. guy and overcome this challenge. And then, oh, we're going to fight the big bad. And then he he becomes like you beat him once and then has a secondary form that you have to fight. Like yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's a two part uh, battle at the the end. Yeah. <laughs> um. And, and I actually, you know, bring up Sephiroth because of the way he even stances. I'm like, I wonder if Yoshitaka Amano like saw this film and yeah. and got some inspiration for Sephiroth for Final Fantasy seven, because it was Amano that still did the character art for that one. Right. It wasn't Nomura. I believe so. Um, yeah. So Orochi, the eight headed dragon. This came out July 9th, 1994, but did not come to the U.S. in VHS form, I'm guessing, uh, with an English dub, which I can't I can't find online. I would have loved to (laughs) hear the English dub of this movie Uh, that came out in June of 1999. Yeah, I'm just surprised I I never heard about this this film before, Miles, um, before. Yeah, no, I had I had I had never heard of this like you. I mean, I I kind of pride myself on knowing some of the what I would consider deep cuts, but maybe not to a Japanese audience like Gunhead. I remember being pretty popular there. So Mm -hmm. like, I mean, that movie's awesome. And we talked about it, I think, last week, because the the star of that movie is also in Mechagodzilla, too. So this one, this one's interesting. But before I guess before we 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 get in there, uh, is there anything in a title this Mm. week? Yeah, yeah. So, indeed, what's in the title? This movie was called Yamato Takeru, which is the main character's name in in the film. Uh, that that's what the the Japanese release of it was, um, and that that's basically what they took as the alternate English title. The the definition of it or, or another version of it which was prince yamato which is you know once again the main character might be name. a better title for the film itself uh, it's definitely much more about the prince than the monster no itself. the the monster shows up as the second form of the bad guy and that's kind of it yeah well we we see it very early on in the movie at, in kind of like the flashback like right this thing was trying to destroy the world before it was sealed away and sent into outer space in a like an ice flying saucer <laughs> yeah I, I did not understand what that thing was supposed to be <laughs> the the uh, there's another alternative english title which was originally the multi-headed dragon why not just give us the the full number count <laughs> the germany this this was called madra the eight-headed monster and not a lot of other releases besides that to, to get alternative names from, unfortunately. Um, I think Orochi the Eight-Headed Dragon is a, a good title, though. It's, and, it is certainly not a bad one. Yeah. It, it, it draws you in there maybe more than just Prince Yamato, <laughs> at the very least. And the, uh, <laughs> this U.S. poster is pretty, pretty awful it, it does make me think of like oh, is this a 1980s fantasy film <laughs> just looking at it miles but i would still probably pick this up if i had ever seen this in a, a oh, blockbuster 100 percent. i just i had i don't think i'd ever seen it seen this before the the plot of the movie is kind of you know based very closely upon japanese mythology they, they, they vary obviously a great deal in order to tell this story, uh, that story for the most part had already been told in the 1959 film, uh, The Three Treasures, 
which is one that we kind of skipped. I think that one was about the the emergence of the god Susano. And there was also an animated uh, film, I believe, from 1964 called Susano and the Eight-Headed Dragon. So th- this is like a, a, a mythos very similar to like Jason and the Argonauts or some other kind of Greek stories that were retold and, you know, Clash of the Titans style. Mm-hmm. That Japanese audiences would have been very familiar with, like all those hits, and they changed a good deal about the plot for for this movie. I think to keep it a little fresh, there was an interview with the director, uh, Takao Okawara, who wanted to make this more of a, a a fantasy film where things could differ from like the the classic story. So. You know that there you get some more monsters <laughs> that were were added into this, and and some more interesting abilities and things. Um, maybe the original Japanese myth doesn't have the main character wielding basically a lightsaber <laughs> at the yeah. towards the end of the movie with like lightsaber, very similar sound effects to a lightsaber as well, <laughs> and green too. So he's definitely in his redeemed luke skywalker part of the, mm-hmm. the film at yeah the, at the part. it even makes the lightsaber noise when it does it, well and the bad guy has like a blue sword uh yeah which, which kind of caught me off guard because i was expecting it to be red but it's yeah, still why don't you go it's red? still a lightsaber battle <laughs> it was very much so but yeah this is our second twin born of of the two princes to the the, the royal family and because of superstition or you know whatever the the evil wizard in the story was was told i, I forget what the excuse was uh, uh, uh that the sec- that that the uh youngest of a twin brings upon misfortune and uh, the-, the fall of a kingdom or something yes yes the the second son the youngest yeah so <laughs> He gets yeeted off a cliff with a very <laughs> terrible uh, uh, special effect, very television kind of like special effect. Oh, absolutely. And gets saved by the gods and is uh, sent to live at a shrine of Issei, which is a Japanese shrine that worships Amara Tarasu, another kind of like major pantheon you know think the top of the 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 greek pantheon it it would be a a goddess up there with with zeus one of the the three siblings that's that's in this the 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 key to the shinto religion and yeah it eventually goes to get a pardon from his father and a bunch of terrible things happened where he killed potentially kills his mother and his brother. <laughs> I thought the, the twin brother was going to last a little longer in this film. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, and, and then kind of gets banished to go take on his father's rival, which like, I don't, I didn't quite understand. Is that supposed to be like an impossible task? Like, was he sending him to his death or, or what? I think but, he was supposed to be sending him to his death because he was like, yo, you have to, you have to, fight this barbarian and make uh, him and his army yield to our power or whatever nonsense he says. Um, It's so funny because, uh, you know, because they, they, they frame him as a misfortunate son and these bad things keep happening before we know that someone's orchestrating it. uh, Mm -hmm. It almost makes me feel like, Oh, maybe he is the antichrist and he's just, not I, go, not going to like give in and he's just like bumbling through life i know? honestly <laughs> thought they might go that route because the in his origin story they show him coming across like an, an evil demonic looking statue and getting this super powered 
you know, um, amulet that he wears his entire life and, and turns him into a deadite from <laughs> evil dead series whenever he uses it. Yeah. <laughs> the makeup makeup goes crazy. But yeah, he he is he has been destined by the gods in this movie. You find out later on to f- fight an evil god that returns to, to Earth. I, I guess not Earth. It returns to the moon <laughs> and and sets up an, a a cool crawl like you know uh, tower on on the moon and also has a a, a form that is an eight headed dragon or a hydra that will destroy the Earth. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because the the bull statue like looks like shockingly similar to the Baphomet statue, the famous Baphomet statue. Yeah. Yeah. He's got like the, he's holding up something, I think in his left hand and, and like it's got a, one hand up, like kind of doing the yeah. two finger. Like it's, it, I, I was like, huh. So, I, I mean, I was, I mean, Toho is like a pretty religious or maybe I'm thinking of super Raya, but I feel like there were a lot of Christian motifs in in this film that is about the shinto religion which i thought was interesting you know you see that in ultraman with you know his like t-pos and, and things like that but the the ultimate space god warrior that <laughs> her main character transforms into at the end of the movie just looked very you know the the white and gold just seemed seemed very christian crusader <laughs> to me I, I don't know why <laughs> yes i mean well i mean it, it is that kind of warrior of white armor look that they they give him which is pretty cool but that aspect was, was fine i mean like like the problem with this movie really is in its scripting like because yes. everything on on surface value is pretty cool i i like the the general uh, like JRPGness of this film, mm-hmm. I like. Honestly, I like the actors. They are just giving absolutely nothing to do. Like there are no characters in this movie. Like we have people that have names, but there's nothing don't, to them. Don't you dare disparage um, y- Yasuko uh, Sawaguchi, who plays Oto, who's like really the most enjoyable no, part. She's of phenomenal. No, the acting is perfectly fine, but the script just gives them absolutely nothing. Yeah, um, well, the special effects are pretty great. Like part of this parts of this movie does feel like it's from 1980. It feels 15 years older than it is. But some of the special effects feel very like the Orochi, like the way that they handled the the pseudomation for the heads and the stuff looked great. I mean, there are yeah. certain parts where it feels like he's being rolled across the stage. But <laughs> well, I mean, probably like 8,000 pounds or something crazy like that. Yeah, but it looks like it's like on a track or something. But I mean, there, yeah. there, it's a good looking fantasy film. I think that there's a lot to love here. And I really wish that, you know, they had spent a little bit more time fleshing out these characters at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I found a... A blog called Sidelong Glances of a Pigeon Kicker, who this blogger, I think maybe lives in Japan, went to a screening, I guess. No, it wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a 30 year, but tw- a 28 year anniversary screening of, of Orochi where the, the director showed up and, and brought the, the bull horned helmet to to the screening and the, <laughs> the blogger <laughs> admitted like the first thing in this blog I, I, I've linked it here in the production history uh, admitted to falling asleep the first time <laughs> they watched this movie which uh, yeah I mean, not there, there are parts of this film that uh, that had me nodding off as well mm-hmm. uh, this movie was 
originally slated to go in production after the release of Godzilla vs. Mothra in 1992. And because they were basically thinking of, of, of a updated remake of the 1959 Three Treasures film, they cut kind of some story elements from that movie, which was three hours long, I think, in, in 1959, which is really impressive. That was a super long movie at that time. One of the reasons Super we didn't movie still. <laughs> one of the movie reasons we didn't do it on the podcast because uh, Orochi, the eight head dragon, does show up in that film for like two minutes. Is is not? I mean, at the very least, what what you can say about the end battle in this movie is it is very much a a an epic kaiju fight battle. <laughs> you know, like he takes on multiple heads. It's not just like a one and done kind of thing. But Takao Okawara, who directed this knew that Toho wanted to turn this into a trilogy of films, potentially doing what they're doing with Godzilla, which is produce them back to back and have them released as their, their summer slate. The Godzilla movies were still their, their December releases, but this movie came out in, in the summer. So they were looking for a a big budgeted special effects kind of focused film. And I feel like this baby was, targeted to kids as well there's there's a lot of elements that seemed like they're going for a more family friendly mm-hmm. you know adventure story but then there's like super violent stabbings in the movie as well which just for me always takes me out of that headspace but apparently not in japan <laughs> like uh he, he stabs the the war general through the the chest and, and yamato gets stabbed through the neck and, and a part of that mm-hmm. really took me it took me uh, by surprise. I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, they did that, huh? Yeah. And so, yeah, it is a little bit all over the place that way. Uh, one of my favorite favorite lines is so when they're all, when they're questing and before he meets uh, Oto for the first time, one of his com- com- companions who I, I would equate to maybe like the Warriors three in the Thor comics. Yeah. Like they're just kind of like the companions to the, the, the main character. Yeah. They don't give them a lot to do or a no, lot to say. And at one least. of them has one of the best lines where he's like, that's my, my, my favorite saying of like, we're saying like, Oh, we're not, we're not bad. I was like, we're not suspicious people, <laughs> which is something a suspicious person would a hundred percent say. Say Ryu and Gimbu were his two. Like they, they raised him as well. They're, they're part of the, 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 Issei Shrine. We get to right. see get to see them uh you know doing a little wushu fighting in the, the forest with a, a young yeah, and prince. That stuff is that stuff is really cool. Like again, there's so much about this movie that is very, very neat. Yeah, it it they it, it doesn't feel like they go full in on the the wire fighting sequences. Mm-hmm. Feels like they could have done a lot more, but it is in the film. Like honestly, most of the fight choreography is a little subpar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it seems like they they really could have done a lot more because uh, you have some pretty epic battles set up in in the film. You have several. Like again, the 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 plotting of this of this movie is is you know gangbusters of of how it's setting up almost like a JRPG of like setting up these different things for us to witness, and we get a cool like test of strength scene where he basically fights a god. Uh, in front of Baphomet and mm-hmm. like that sequence, like seem I mean, and it's probably one of the better fight sequences in the movie, but like, it's still super awkward. 
yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> it's uh, and then uh, he also like the the lightsabers like shoot out light and break helmets for some reason. <laughs> yeah, they 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 definitely have a lot of powers that just like whatever the script says is the power that the character. Yeah, has I, I, do, I do not know enough about the the actual myths to to say anything about that (laughs) (laughs) um let's talk about the monsters though which is one of the main reasons i think this definitely does deserve to be on the kaiju film list is this is the same special effects department uh, that does the godzilla films koichi um, kawakita and um the director assistant director of special effects was kenji suzuki so these are folks that are working on the heisei godzilla movies they are Putting together monsters, I think that I mean, are they they look great? Um, no, uh, I it, it's weird because so much of this movie until the end feels like a kaiju adjacent movie, but then they give you a 15 20 minute full on battle mm-hmm. with Orochi the eight headed dragon. So you're like, well, I mean, I guess I kind of have to count this because very much so, and you know, it, it's not just not just Orochi who does get a lot of great action sequences towards the end here. And I mean, just beyond that, it is a spectacle that I I, I like Orochi even more than any of these Ghidorahs that we've seen. It seems like while he's not doing as much, technically it is so impressive. They've you've got flamethrower heads, multiple flamethrower heads going at once done in camera. This isn't like special effects. The, the, the eight headed dragon is breathing fire, uh, multiple heads and I mean, almost all the heads are moving and articulating. And uh, when they do close-ups on on some of the heads, they look really good as well. I really like Orochi as as a monster. It's a it's a really great, and and I think you're right. I think it looks better than some of the Ghidorah stuff they've been yeah. doing. It's like let's get Orochi in a Godzilla movie already. Yeah, I mean it's it's a bad looking dude. However. Mm-hmm. It does. It does look like it's unwieldy and would not benefit from a full on kaiju fight. Because when when the kaiju fight actually happens, when the warrior light becomes the giant megazord at the mm-hmm. end, and even does the whole sword Voltron thing, <laughs> that fight so. is great in conception. On screen, looks kind of awkward. It still looks cool, but like it's not yeah. like a fight. We're just watching the 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 main character finally get OP enough to, to put the dragon down. Yeah, so Utsono uh, Ikusagami is the the literal translation of this is space war god, <laughs> the the giant warrior that is. I I, I don't quite understand its creation. It, it seems like our our main characters Yamato and Oto are murdered by Orochi. Like they get blasted into like space, and then she disintegrates, and then he forms. Then he gets the power, the three lights, and is able to summon. Right. The war god. I, I was very confused about that. <laughs> that ending. Oh yeah, part. no, I I was confused about so much of that. Um, yeah, then, then we have also... a very good fight, and where he's literally ripping heads off of Orochi, and and yeah, yeah, summoning the the magic sword and other stuff like that. But th- these aren't even my favorite kaiju in the f- the film, Miles. There's there's even more kaiju than that. So, uh, Madarasu? The, the the flying god bird Amano Shiratori is is interesting. It did remind me a good deal of clash of the Titans. There wasn't a lot of movement to, to that model. It's kind of is rid written like the, the Pegasus in the movie, but no, I really liked the lava Kaiju Kumasagami and the, the water God uh, Kaishin Muba that, that they face 
I, I, I liked them. The film. I wish they were in the movie a lot more. Yeah. The, there's there's some some good miniature work with the with the lava kaiju and i really like the 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 suit that they made for for the water god the water god it does seem like there should <laughs> should have been more to that because that 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 underwater fight was was very short it's like do, do they even kill it i think it it survives it just goes to the bottom of the ocean and that, i that's, am <laughs> that scene. not so certain but, but great design suits. I really liked all of them in, in the movie. Maybe not so much the space war God, uh, but I don't know what else you're going to do with that kind of, you know, well, knight in shining armor. You know, it's it's character. it's funny because there's something that the that Okuara says, uh, the director said, uh, where he approached the material not as a period piece, but instead as a futuristic drama imagined by people living the past. It, <laughs> Because their Star vibe, <laughs> well, honestly, I was thinking more of Marvel's Cinematic Universe's Thor stuff. Yeah, yeah, it feels very similar to that. And even some of the costuming kind of feels like that, like Oto's orange mm-hmm. ninja suit. I love, <laughs> but it it's so clean. It just doesn't feel like that period fantasy world doesn't feel yeah, like it's, it's a part it's, of that. It is really interesting that like they're supposed to be kind of these like I mean, futuristic deities. I also like the fact that like the, the idea of a God is still very nebulous because even when they defeat mm-hmm. Orochi and trap, not Sephiroth in, into the, the Jade amulet, the, when he's told, when the prince is told to throw that amulet into the sky with all of his might, mm-hmm. he, he says, well, but he's, he, he's a bad guy. He's like, yeah, but when he comes back, he's going to bring happiness to the earth gods are like that and i'm like yeah it's it's but that that is that is kind of on on par with how like greek myths go too where yeah, like the yeah, gods are just kind of like it they're they're when the fancy strikes them are are crazy so kami in in japanese shinto religion are very much kind of dual-faced gods like because they even uh, amaterasu who is portrayed very positively in this movie is also like, I think probably the goddess of like fire, (laughs) like forest fires and things like that. So they can bring destruction. They can bring good fortune in various elements. They are maybe a little more simplified in, in this film, but uh, one of the main things about them is kind of just like we saw in the ultra Q film is they only appear either at certain times of the year or in certain places. So I think that's why we only see the gosh, I I remember Sukunawa, the, the Sephiroth like characters only on the moon, for example, towards the end, the, the other God uh, Susanu who appears out of the bull statue is only in that chamber. Like their, their influence doesn't like go outside of these like magical, realms like they they wouldn't appear in other places so they're they're influencing the the mortal realm as it were but not like directly i guess so that that's why our our main character has to you know take on the powers of the gods to to take these these gods out we we didn't talk about the pseudomation too much but this is all the same godzilla standby actors for the suits can uh Ken Pachiro Satsuma, who does Godzilla, is Orochi. Uh, Hurricane Ryu Harakin is the lava god, I believe. Oh, cool. And Wataru Fukuda is 
in the space war god suit. They, what did they do last? Oh, well, <laughs> in our next week movie, they, they are Mogera, but they were also Mechagodzilla in versus Mechagodzilla 2. Yes. Obviously, they're using uh, all the, the same. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I mean, this this is what he did place. right after versus Mechagodzilla 2, the director. So, I mean, yeah. it makes sense. And, I, and I, I see why Toho may have thought they had some gold in their hands because, mm-hmm. you know, OK, we're taking a successful Godzilla director and and team and we're going to make this wide spanning fantasy film which yeah. apparently initially was even longer with like the, the apparently there was like 10 more minutes of the a headed dragon scene <laughs> a lot of the fight at the end like he <laughs> they apparently did show uh, yamato stabbing multiple heads on the dragon like jumping from one to the other and <laughs> that which that's i one... thought that they were trying to imply i was really confused why he was just going to town on one head <laughs> it's one thing i did not enjoy about the 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 movie is um no it, that, the pace the pacing of the film is kind of atrocious well that scene in particular has the same like adventure music like the dun 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 mm-hmm. dun, dun. <laughs> this very steven spielberg s you know or john williams i should say kind of adventure soundtrack while he's violently stabbing the dragon's head it just seems like it would have had a more impactful yeah, because you have like geysers of like green blood just splashing out. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah, <laughs> it's very brutal. Uh, do you have a favorite scene or something that did work m- more than didn't work in the film for you, Miles? I mean, obviously that that there's so many elements of that final battle scene that are pretty sick. I do like mm-hmm. the warrior of light armor. I thought that mm-hmm. was was great. I, I honestly, despite the fact that it defies all logic of what was they were told, because but I, I like the I like the scene between the prince and not Sephiroth. I thought that was a pretty fun sequence. But like literally four minutes before, they are told, "Oh, both of you have to be in this fight. You cannot beat him alone. It has to be you and Odo," which is great. Except she doesn't do anything in that fight. Oh, bless, she, bless her, Miles. Oto oh no, no, this is uses, not a commentary on the character. It's a commentary on the scripting. She just uses that same firebolt spell, the 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 kata, you know, the yeah. Naruto kata to fire three firebolts in every fight, and it does very little in almost every fight. But my my favorite is when they're fighting the lava demon, the lava kaiju, and she uses the firebolt spell. And in my mind, as a as a, a DM, a GM of uh, TTRPGs, I'm just thinking that is that thing is 100% immune to fire damage. There's no way the firebolt spell is doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> but she still does it. She still blasts her firebolt. I yeah. I, I, she, she was my favorite part of this movie. Uh, oh, she, she uh, is the best part of this movie for sure. Uh, Yasuko Sawaguchi, we, we've talked about in other Godzilla films. She was, of course, our main female protagonist, uh, Naoko Okumura in Return of Godzilla. So as an 18 year old, uh, she was, I think, picked up to, to star in that movie from like a, starlight kind of casting of of teenagers for for the japanese film industry which when when i say that out loud it sounds very creepy but it it was kind of like a star search program i think she was on but she was also erica uh, shiragami she's i mean technically she's biolante in right (laughs) versus biolante but she was also in another fantasy film from 88 
called Princess from the Moon, which we didn't cover here, but does have there's some monsters in it. It's just like that is not the focus. I feel like this movie is much more focused on these 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 monsters. But she is the titular princess. Uh, yeah, there, there's a I didn't didn't Studio Ghibli do an adaptation of that story? think so yes but yeah i i love her my favorite scene in the movie and it actually got me to laugh out loud is when she infiltrates this western castle as a dancer and the lord's going around and inspecting the you know yes. the pretty faces and and uh, her face goes up and she cracks she's a, got like a weird and mole and she's has black a tooth flagged out it's just so silly and it's it, it there's very little kind of humor that they give the main characters but that that just blew me away I was like, it, it's, a, it's a pretty uh, i love scene. her in this it's it's so fun and they just keep killing her character off in this movie <laughs> they just keep killing her and bringing her back she dies she's, twice and, right? and she's stayed busy she's in some crime show like that ran from like 99 to like last year there's like 270 episodes yeah yeah i think we, we talked about it in Return of Godzilla. Um, yeah, in, in one of the films where yeah, she has had a a very long, very tenured career in Japanese film and television. She's she's done voice work in Miyazaki films. She was the mother in Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's she's great in this movie. She's she's a lot of fun at the, yeah, at the she's very least. But maybe it's just because everyone else is given so little <laughs> acting opportunity. Yeah, I I I would definitely agree. There there is. It's the biggest problem with this movie is no one is given anything to do. And and even her, like she just she just shines. But like yeah. she's given very little to do in this movie, too. It's like I told you, I, I don't think that there are any actual characters in this movie. There are people with names, but there are, there are archetypes. There are, you know, icons. This film didn't do very well. At the box office, Miles, maybe no. not surprised to, to hear that. It had um, 1.5 million admissions, less than half the take of the December film, which is for, from Toho, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. Spoiler for what we're, we're doing next. And uh, yeah, so it did not get its two sequels to complete the trilogy, which maybe they took the these plans and went and started the Mothra <laughs> trilogy because well, of this. And and reading that the sequel was supposed to have the always the bridesmaid, never the bride monster. Get me ba- started. Bagon Bagan was supposed to be in the sequel. Can you imagine? Yeah, just like a giant demon being being in one of these movies. Like, I just I as much so as I much. want to see that monster in a Godzilla film, maybe one day. It is certainly suited. That design is certainly suited for if they did another one of these Prince Yamato movies. I think mm. that that would have been sick. But no, this movie was a, a huge, huge flop. And yeah, uh, luckily, they don't give up on the director who goes on to do two more Godzilla films. Yeah. Gosh, I, I don't know what they budgeted for for this movie, but if it's anything I mean, if it's close to what they did for a Godzilla, yeah, it probably didn't make them that much money the same year 1994 there was an anime called yamato takeru so it's not based on the movie but it is based on the same mythical character but i mean if you take a look at this poster i think you should check it out because he does summon a giant like daimajin style <laughs> like suit of armor in it to to That's fight pretty cool big bad guys and 
<laughs> it, it does look fun. I don't know if I'm, I'm spending time to watch it, but it does. It does. It does look pretty good. This um, this has had DVD releases. Orochi the Eight Headed Dragon. No Blu-rays, unfortunately, over the years. The only place yeah, you can yeah. see this in HD format is Japanese Amazon Video. Which, well, I hope you speak <laughs> Japanese if you want to watch it there, because <laughs> I don't think they have English subtitles. Miles, let's uh, let's talk about our our ratings, our reviews for for this film. I. I actually had a very good time. I don't know about, about you. Uh, despite this movie kind of being overly long, maybe they could have chopped a good deal off of the first act of the movie. I feel like the second and third flowed fairly well. So I enjoyed this movie more than I probably should have for, for its quality. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm giving this an 8 out of 10. I think the novelty it really worked for me watching this the the first time and never having seen it before. So there, like I said, there were a lot of parts of the movie that surprised me, delighted me. That the like I said, the stabbings. I was just like, what? <laughs> I, I really <laughs> thought this was a kids movie, and then I got to those. I was like, wow. But yeah, same. Some of those same things kind of wore on me in the in the technical aspects. But I don't know yeah. how often I want to rewatch this movie, but I could see myself rewatching it. <laughs> I could, I, could, I could at least see myself watching like the last like 20 minutes of it uh, for yeah. sure. If I was if I was doing a class on um, kaiju stuff, I would I would certainly at least show this the sequence at the end. But I it's it's hard so, because there's so many other Godzilla Heisei films that are really yeah. good. <laughs> and and that, that, there's that. But I also I, I am with you. I think this movie is a blast to watch. I think it's pretty delightful. If they ever cleaned it up and gave us a, a, a another full release at home, I would probably pick it up just to have it. Yeah. I don't know how often I'm going to watch it. This movie is a little bit of a slog in places. The pacing is is abysmal. And as a result, it can, like you said, feel very overly long. But that doesn't stop it from having some really great sequences. Uh, I love the JRPG nature of the storytelling, which is how I know about about some of these kind of tropes and stuff is from playing those games as a kid on Nintendo and Genesis and Super Nintendo. So I'm scoring a little bit lower than you, but I mean, it's still pretty enthusiastic. I'm giving it a seven out of 10. Mm-hmm. I, I had a very good time with this and it's certainly worth watching. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I said, uh, this is one that I knew was coming up on our our schedule, but I still didn't want to watch it beforehand because I wanted to, it to be fresh when we reviewed it. What about the technical aspects? Where where do you rate this technically as a as a movie? So that's that's where this one kind of falters a little bit for me. I mean, I'm I'm actually going to give it the same score. I'm giving it a seven, but I'm dinging it really hard on the script and the pacing. The mm-hmm. fact that the actors don't have anything to do, so they all come off kind of plain Jane. It's very wooden. There are some weird choices too, because like you have this very classical sounding. Uh, score throughout the movie and then as it's ending you get like a modern <laughs> song like all of a sudden oh, like yeah. there's literally like a guitar riff at the end no, the guitar riff starts to, starts playing and until the 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 singer starts singing in japanese i was like this sounds like they hired the gin blossoms to come like 
offer a, a single oh, for it's this it's, movie. It's such early 90s <laughs> Japanese rock. No, no, no. Rock. It's, 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 it's even got the, the lines in English, which is, you know, like a hallmark of, of that uh, that style of singing. Every once in a while, there's just one English line like, and to the stars we return. Yeah, no, there, there's some cool stuff. But at the same time, for all the cool stuff, there are some, there's some wonky effects. The fight choreography is non-existent. And I know I've already said it before, but the pacing is rough. I mean, there are plenty of times where like you're you're like, this movie's good, but all of a sudden we're stopping here and I'm checking my watch <laughs> that I don't actually have him checking my phone. But like I'm <laughs> I'm checking the time. I'm I'm kind of looking at other things or I'm I'm you know maybe playing a, a idle game on my phone because it's just kind of it just it spins its wheels so much. And despite the fact that it's got some great looking monsters, a very cool concept pretty solid special effects throughout yeah i'm I'm sticking with seven out of ten like it it gets dinged pretty hard for those things yeah i'm i'm right there with you seven out of ten but like it's one of those things like if we were just judging it on those pseudomations on some of these special effects not all the special effects but some of them then you know costume design this would be like a 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 it's great but is definitely brought down by terrible dialogue Terrible, very wooden. Where it except, just seems except like, we are not suspicious, but I love that we're not like, suspicious people. It's so great. <laughs> you mentioned Thor, the MCU's Thor. It just seems like this needs that injection of mm-hmm. you know pithy comedy or some kind of you know like like I said the the part that made me laugh with with <laughs> with her uh, goofy makeup is so good. It just needed a couple more moments like that, and really would have saved you know that aspect of the story we, we give a pass so often in godzilla movies to that human story because that's not why you buy the ticket that this movie it is like an yeah, hour they, they, and they 20 are... minutes of mm-hmm. that story and a lot less kaiju action i guess it like i said it overstays its welcome a little bit it's an hour 44 minutes long and it is a fairly boilerplate kind of mythological tale. So, yeah, 7 out of 10, I think, feels pretty good. It's still very good movie score or interesting, I think, effects. For its evocative nature, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 there as well. It, I just, I feel like it needed some space to distance itself from these other two Godzilla movies. But it, it doesn't ring as true for for what they were able to do at the time because it is nestled between those two movies i think it should be better known for you know examples of of toho's especially heisei toho's kaiju movies and and what their special effects team was able to do but yeah it just the movie didn't really focus in on what it should have been we're going to get the mothery trilogy in a little while which is very kid friendly and focused and those are going to work very well because of that this movie just felt like it was right there in the middle you know Plot yeah wise, and character I'm, wise it's it's ready for I'm, kids and i'm dinging it pretty hard as a result i mean i think a lot of its tropes are really more in the fantasy realm rather than kaiju cinema realm there are certainly <laughs> the last 15 minutes that do have that kaiju thing but again the kaiju, despite being the the U.S. international title, is not the focus of the movie. The, yeah. the focus of the movie is Prince Yamato. Like that's that's 
the story. Well, the, the and same, same thing with Clash of the Titans, and and you, I think, dinged it pretty hard for that as well. Yeah, despite and, Titans being the title, it is about the hero's journey for that movie, right? And and doubly so for this because, like, yeah, we're given a couple of like scenes to kind of overshadow that the fact that we are getting this this dragon later on the dragon's not the star of the movie even though it is the final form of the bad guy <laughs> it's still the final form of the bad guy who still is somebody else so it's the it's, coolest thing in the movie though for sure it, it is the coolest thing in the movie for sure and i'm not thinking it's super super hard but i i mean Again, this is also a deep cut, so it's not mm-hmm. super evocative to the culture of kaiju movies. This movie bombed, and it's been mostly forgotten. So despite all of that, I'm still giving it a, a positive score. It's getting a 6 out of 10, but I'm dinging it pretty hard on that that aspect. It's the hardest I'm dinging it for anything, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that is going to bring my score to a 7.3 and yours to a 6.3. Six, we're meeting right there in the middle with a a, a podcast final score of seven. seven okay, for I'm okay Orochi. with that. Yeah, I, I you know I I thought maybe while I was watching this movie, and I should say I had to watch this in two separate sittings. It, it was a bit too <laughs> long for me, so I watched a, a little bit of it last night, a little bit of this morning, <laughs> and it, it was a, a bit of a slog. I think seven is right where it should be. I, I was thinking maybe it could possibly reach an eight. It really depends on how much you enjoy it. But I think I think we're right in a lot of those technical aspects holding this film back. Um, Right. So our final score is seven out of ten miles. Where can folks find us if they want to talk? Kaiju. Talk to Kaiju with us. You can email us at Kaiju versus history at gmail.com. You can reach to us on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Oh, at God. Kaiju versus history. Please don't you can go to our website at Kaiju versus history. Are we on blue sky? We are. All right. We're just setting up Kaiju versus history at blue sky. Um, you can rate and review our show, comment, share with your friends. Let us know what you think. Check out our letterbox account to see all our reviews and watch our list of films. Patrick. From where are we going? Where are we going from here? (laughs) Thank you, Miles. Thank you, listeners. We're going to catch you on the next episode when we return to the moneymaker for Toho, at least in the 1990s. As uh, We're going to continue this amazing run of annual Heisei films for the big G. Tune in next time with us for History versus Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. (laughs) 